Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Shabbos Pash Pekudei. We're actually going to have some Thursday, Friday, tonight and tomorrow will be Rish Chodesh. Rish Chodesh Adr Shani. And we begin to embark on Purim. Of course, as you know, this Shabbos Pekudei is Chazak Chumish Shemais. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazik. Story is told the Leshem, the big Kabbalist. Shvakemidach's daughter was married for quite a while, was not blessed with children. And they went, they traveled to Vienna to the experts, the doctors, the specialists. And they were told that there's no chance that they could have any children. Come on, let's learn. What's the uh, reaction of a young lady? Here's such a thing, such a, a little death sentence. She just wanted to burst out crying. But people were around. They had to get on the train to go back home and everything else, sit, cry on the train, to attract attention like that. First of all, it's not sneers to attract attention, and secondly, most importantly, <coughs> she didn't want people to start asking what's wrong, what's the matter, and I have to tell the story over and over. And they'll tisk tisk and sympathize with her and pity her. So she, so she formed a stiff upper lip, as we say, forged a stiff, stiff upper lip. And held herself back for two weeks' time until she got home. She got home. She went out to the shed. There she sat crying and crying and crying, two weeks pent up tears. If her tears dried up, if they finished, or she could no longer cry. She came out. Obviously, her eyes were very swollen, crying. And her father was walking by. And he says, Mama, what happened? What's the matter? And she told him what the doctors in Vienna said. And she told him 
how for two weeks, the whole journey home, she held up and pent all this sorrow and tears. And now when she finally had a private, quiet moment, she went into her own solitude and cried her heart out. The Leshem turned to her and said to her, David Melech says, God is close to all those that call Him, especially they call in truth. When does one call in truth when one sees that there is nowhere else to turn? When there is no one else to offer a solution to our issue, to our problem, we turn finally to HaKadosh Baruch Hu full-heartedly. We cry in the between also, in the interim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But we always see, maybe a doctor, maybe a this one, maybe a that one, maybe a banker, maybe somebody else can help us out of the situation. Once we see we are all alone and it's only us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, those who call with full truth, honesty, integrity, full-heartedly, and they cry out, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, help me. I have no one else, there's nothing else that can possibly help. Avinu Sheva Shemaim, our Father in Heaven, help me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers those heart broke heart rendering prayer tefillahs. And lo and behold, a year later, she was blessed with a child. I don't remember who the child was, but it was a very, very special child. Grew up to be a special, special person. We're looking at a situation today. There's no viable solution. There's no outright salvation that can come from this army, from that army, from this type of weaponry or whatever it might be. No matter what country wants to come and meddle here in between, the situation is extremely, extremely dire. Our brothers and our sisters (coughs) in the Ukraine fear for their lives rightfully so they can no longer open their front doors they don't know what's going to fall in front of them there are those that stayed behind I'm sure in Dnepr and many other places that the Shluchim that stayed behind to stay with their communities to, to support to give chizuk, to give food, shelter. But the situation has reached to a point where even they can no longer stay. 
but now it's very, very, very dangerous for them to leave. Travel is beyond, beyond dangerous now. But they have to make now their journeys because they have to get out of there. Therefore, it is up to us to daven. It is up to us to pray for our brothers and sisters, for their families, for their children, who need now to make this journey journey of survival a journey of life and death we shall daven for them put an extra coin in tzedakah may HaKadosh Baruch Hu answer all our tefillahs and as they begin their journey to Yerushalayim Mirakadosh we should begin ours Instead of bombs falling, we should hear the blowing of Mashiach Shefer, and we should all go to Yerushalayim Mirakedish right now. Pashas Pekudei. Pasha begins Eile Pekudei Hamishkan Mishkan Haedus. Rashi immediately asks the champion of the Bechamesh the Mikra and Rashi asks my eye why repeat the word Mishkan twice Rashi says something which is a little bit hard to grasp perhaps Remez it's a hint the Migdash to the Migdash and his Mashkin Bishnei the Migdash, the two Bati Migdash that will be destroyed for the sins of the Jews. Morbid a bit, huh? Come on, Rashi. You all know, in order for the Besa Migdash to be destroyed, Needs to be built first. Why choose the destruction over the construction? Mishkin also, besides representing tabernacle, expressing as tabernacle, also means mashkin. And mashkin is a collateral. Somebody borrows something from somebody else, and the person wants to be guaranteed they'll be paid back, they give them a collateral. You can't eat that collateral, you can't use that collateral, you can't waste that collateral, you can't move that collateral. That collateral 
stays in place and intact until the person repays the debt. Obviously, it's a time-sensitive issue usually, meaning that person borrows money for 30 days, he gives a collateral, at the end of 30 days, either you pay up or you lose the collateral. But in generally, the collateral will go from hand to hand, back and forth, excuse me, as the person pays their debt. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys the Beis HaMikdash, he doesn't destroy it because he's destroying the world. Rather, the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, welcome Georgia, destruction of the Beis HaMikdash is a collateral. A collateral preparing for the Beis HaMikdash Ashdishi. And we find that as well in the three forms of wording that used now with Parsha, Yakum and Hakum Hikim. Two of them which Mesha will do, Mesha will stand up, which Eden will stand up, Akapanam, and the third, of course, Hukum, which will come fully prepared, fully made, and will come from heaven and set up on its own. So the Pasha starts off, as we said, the Pasuk, Eve Pekude HaMishkan. What a good thing. And continues with a an accounting an accounting of all the material that was brought in the gold, the silver, the copper that was needed for the construction. To which commentaries explain Mesha Rabbeinu saw a need that it was relevant, it was very important to give a full inventory, a full calculation, a din v'cheshman as it's known, very, very detailed, all the donations that went from uh, through his hand. And this way to show the Gabi Tzedakah, their obligation to always be Nobody should ever suspect 
I need to be clean in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the Jews. But when we look at this, calculate all this uh, inventory. The part that's most prominent was the use of the copper and of the silver. We don't really have much saying about the gold. It says in general, Kol Azov, Asi Lamalacha, Bechol Malachas HaKedesh, all the Zov that was made for working with and all the works of the Migdash of the holy work this should be of the gold that was poured forth and there were 29 kikar weight, the weight of the gold that's all it says about gold doesn't enumerate And the amounts of silver only to trumas machtsa shekel, not to the trumas that were actually given as donations. Then there were tens of other materials that were donated as well. Chelas, agomons, lisash, lashani, etc., etc. So Tera tells us that all these trumas were vehaiser. They were well over the, the over the top. We don't know how much. What was done with them? Rashi says, "Nimnu kol mishkale nidus hamishkan." They enumerated now all the donations, all the things that came into the mishkan, which means to say. Not giving an exact enumerating number by number of all the Nadavas and the uses, just the general weights that were what was given to the Mishkan. So Taylor tells us with this that Meshir Abenu, being in charge here of the Akramas HaMishkan, instead of the setting up, setting up of the Mishkan, He did all the accounting here of all donations. And therefore we don't have to know every single detail, every single screw and nut and bolt and their use. It's Let it be sufficient to just give us the general gist of everything. What does it teach us? The Meshir Rabbeinu actually ran the show here. Tumas. And he wanted, and he was an actual, a, good, a very, very honest accountant. And therefore everything was brought to him. He was in charge. It's a very, very deep thought pattern here. Mesha 
marks down dafka the weights of everything and not their value. The weight tributes to the physicality of the issue. You have a rock, you have a stone, you have a bottle, you have a table. If you weigh it, you know how much this thing weighs, how much, what this is. You know it's actual mass. You don't necessarily know its spiritual value. And yet, all these things that came for the Mishkan were enumerating by its weight, physical, mundane way of measuring it. By a person, weight also <laughs> is actually what the person is all about. Not that we sell people by the pound. Simply we know that this thing is worth, this thing has more of a value when it has more of a substantiality. Of course, except for a person. The less weight, the better, usually. When a Jew does a mitzvah, you have that's a mice of the mitzvah, the actual doing of the mitzvah itself. And then the intention from behind the whole scenes the dry action when it came to the Mishkan Mishkan Hashem we're talking about the weights actual doing the actual down to earth how much gold, silver how not how much money worth of gold, silver and copper but how much what was the quantity we have a everlasting lesson from this the Mishkan of every Jew is done for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. not just with spirituality not just with intentions and with emotions with physical actions down to earth when a Jew does a physical action he makes the he makes the physical the physical element into a service to Hashem his mishkin for the Shechina so much so The coin of the Jew that the Jew gives is considered a matbea shel esh, a coin of fire. And this therefore engraves within the neshama, the godly neshama which is within him. And thereby they can build a mishkan, a private mishkan for Hashem, also the migdash v'shachanti b'seichem. And this gets quicker than the being of a Samidah Ashlishi, which there HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be revealed within his whole entire essence, taken from the Admamish, Hedev Yemenu, Amen Selah.
So Vatzerik tells a story of an ignoramus that was a professional ignoramus. But he wanted to be from, he was from. <coughs> from and tails, doing mitzvahs, learning tater, davening. He learned what he was able to learn. When he came to davening, he didn't want to make mistakes. However, unfortunately for him, he didn't live in the city. So he couldn't just show up for shul, shachas minchemaitev. He lived out in the farms. And it was quite a trip to him to come to the city. So he'd come once a week on Sunday with his little bichala, a little cal- calendar. And he would sit down with the Rav and he would go over what the, going, what the davenings are this week. On Sunday, you daven this and this and this. Shachris is this, Milch is this, Maidav is that. And he check off which Shisha Yom you say on Sunday. On Monday, he check off the Shisha Yom for Monday. Etc., etc. If it was Ishkadish, he told them about the Alavi, the Barkanafsh, the Hal, everything else that had to go into the pieces and places. And obviously, if it was a fast day, he told them what day he'd have to fast. And every week, he would get his weekly lessons. and the man shows up in town and he sees he's walking he sees nobody around nobody on the streets then all of a sudden he says maybe it's Shabbos maybe I miscalculated my week the Revaila he sees a Jew walking with Tals and Tfilm. So, Shuldik, then Shuldik, excuse me. Where is everybody? Everybody's in Shul, he says. They're fasting today. Fasting today? Is it fast? I didn't know. He was devastated. He immediately ran to the Rav's house. Rabbi, what'd you do to me? You didn't tell me it was a fast today. I ate already. I didn't daven the tefillahs that you daven for the fast day. The, the, the uh, slichas and everything else. I didn't say, wh- why'd you do that to me? The Rav says, no, 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 my kind. Sorry. It's not a fast day on the calendar. We, all, we will cover this fast day because it hasn't rained for a while. And we said, okay, if by tomorrow it doesn't rain, we're going to fast. <sighs> and that's why we're fasting. So the man says, excuse me? You're fasting because it's not raining? Whoever heard of such a thing? So what do you mean? This is how we have to daven to the to do tshuva, etc. This is, I never fast when it doesn't rain. So what do you do? 
what do I do? I go out to my field and I say to Bainish, you want me to starve? Send rain, please. And it rains. The so other says, huh, sounds easy enough. Go ahead. Go for it. And he walks out to the middle of the town, lifts up his hands and his eyes to heaven and says, Bainish, you them. Is there a reason you're gonna drown? You're gonna, you're gonna starve your children here? They're not gonna have what to eat and drink. They'll all die of thirst. Why? You have to make it rain. And lo and behold, clouds formed and it started pouring. Sometimes we need to. give our devotions at villas with tears with lamentations slichas etc and sometimes we just need to realize in a simple form of fashion as we're talking to our father of Shiba Shemayim just say the Give us Mashiach now. You can't keep us in Gala so long. You can't keep hurting us and torturing us in this long and bitter exile. If you link Vayakel Pkude together, you feel to an extent it's all one parasha because it's all one parasha therefore it repeats it takes, tells over about this part of the Mishkan that part of the Mishkan oh, we learned already in Truma all these things but <coughs> a little bit of Tetzava but now we're getting a little bit more okay I can live with it separately you lay in Tetzava you lay in Truma I'm sorry and in Truma we had all the different vessels of the Mishkan then we laid by Yakel, we had all the vessels of the Mishkan, and again at Pekudah you get the vessels of the Mishkan. <coughs> Start to scratch our head, what's the repetition about? Over and over. We know when it came to the Shidduch of Yitzchak Avinu, and of the years it travels to the Shidduch, and he tells everything to the family, Yitzchak's family, Yitzchak's wife's family, Tarifka's family. And everything goes by, goes goes down, as we say it, and everything transpires, the Shidduch goes through, and he comes back with little Rivkula. When he returns to Avram Vino, and he tells Avram Vino the whole story again. So he tells the story, obviously it makes sense he should tell the story over, because he says, what happened? And he tells him what happened. The question is, why does the tailor repeat it? Why is the tailor saying it over again? Taylor, every word counts, it's so important. Tells us, Chazal, that words of Tzadikim, things that are important to HaKadosh Baruch Hu today, Tzaddikim 
repeat over and over because they're so valuable. And the same we find with the repetition here of the Mishkan, its kalim, <coughs> its uses, its actual edifice, its construction, etc. It's being, the repetition is simply to show us how valuable this all is, Sakadish Baruchu, the Dira Betachtenim, how much it holds, how much how how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu cherishes this. Sure, everybody's doing chitas. If you're doing chitas this week, you'll see an interesting, since the Pasha itself is a repetition, you might not pay attention to it so much, but there's another repetition in the Pasha, Kasha Tziva Hashem Ismeisha. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded Meisha. Says it a bunch of times. A bunch is more than two usually. Two is a pair. A couple is two or three. Multiple, five, six. A bunch of times is more than that. To be exact, Kashativa Hashem is Meisha, as Kadosh Baruch commanded Meisha is said, is repeated in this week's parasha 18 times. 18 times. The Balaturim, which is a very, very important tool that one should learn to Chumash with. Balaturim says, 18 is Chai the most popular donation in any appeal. Chai times. Usually you're hoping to hear Chai times a thousand at least. So that's a substantial donation. But Chai, Chai Tzimlem, Chai is life. Kashetziva Hashem Esmeisha the way Hashem commanded Moshe, Chai, he lived his entire life, his entire existence, his entire essence, his way of life was Kashativa Hashem Moshe. Was only by the books he lived up to everything that Hakadosh Baruch commanded him. We deal with that often time in our lives where we think to ourselves is this exactly how HaKadosh Baruch would want it to happen? Is this how HaKadosh Baruch would want this to be? Etc. Etc. We need to do <laughs> in English the expression you do you. You be what you could be. Strive to be the best that you can be. Work on oneself. One should work on oneself to see to it that they accomplish what needs to be accomplished in the best way, form, or fashion. And therefore, Chai, life, 
that we lead should be in a way of kashativa Hashem is Meishu. So as we said before, the culmination of Chumash Meis, sorry, which we hear about Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, etc. We hear about all about the Mishkan, all about its Kalim. The Yaakov Pekudai tells us how everything was put to use. And also the the dedication that was done for the Mishkan. Done through Moshe Rabbeinu on the eighth day of the Miluim. On this day, Moshe himself set up the Mishkan and did everything that had to be done within the Mishkan and then Aaron took over. Think into it. The order in which Mesha applies himself here, we find first he brought in the Kilea Mishkan to its place, he put, set them all up to all the vessels, and then he did the Aveda with each one of the Kalim. He did the service each Kalim needed to be done. Eaten as a shulchan, the Arachal of Shulchan Alechem, he set up the shulchan, he put on the bread, put on the menera, put on the menaris, he candled the candles. He set up the Mizbeach Azov, which brought the potatoes. And then afterwards, it says, finished off the building of the Mishkan itself. Vayosam es Mosach Apesach the Mishkan. He put on the cover. Even the sacrifices he brought first on the Mizbeach. Only afterwards, that he set up the Chatzir and the rounding, surroundings, the Mishkan and the Mizbeach. <laughs> Sometimes um, you have magi- magicians or daredevils that do things that are very, very dangerous or scary. They used to put warnings for the children don't try this at home. The world knows first you build your house. And when you built your house and you have everything set up exactly which room has to be where and actually what purpose each room serves then you begin to furnish your house and you bring in your furniture and the different rooms get the different types of furniture. You obviously don't want a dining room table in your bathroom or your bedroom set in your living room. So first the house is built, and then we bring in everything else. And when the Jews set up and they traveled in the desert, first Bergesh and Mimrari set up the whole Mishkan, and then they brought in 
B'nei Kahas brought in all the Kalim. What was Moshe thinking by doing this opposite way? By doing it first, all the Kalim, and then Avedis HaMishkan. As, and then building the Mishkan. And the simple answer is that on the eighth day of the Meluim was not a regular day. It was a day which Moshe inaugurated the Mishkan. And therefore the stress was on the great foundation, the fundamental of serving God. We serve God, it's not the norm. It's not something that you do everyday business. But it's higher than the Seder of the regular normal formatting. So the service for Hashem is divided up in a way of two different types. There's Aveda, the regular work, the, the way we serve God. The everything in order, everything in its time, everything in its place. And we go from one thing to the next, klal to the prat. One stage after another. One development after another. And slowly, slowly you get up to the... You achieve what you have to achieve. A Veda like this is within a boundary. Sometimes we got to do out of the norm. we got to do out of the ordinary. Yeah, use an American term again. Thinking out of the box. If you're keeping score at home, the Gemara Eidav and Nundalad Amar Aleph, 54 side 1, says, Chatuf ve'achul, Chatuf ve'shasa. Everything is in its order of eating, drinking, etc. There are times in a person's life There are times in a person's life you can't do the regular just stay in the regular realm and the regular norm. You gotta grab. Grab what you can, seize the moment. A lot of uh, expressions being used today, huh? Seize the moment and at that time the Teres Chassidus explains Ikvasidah Meshicha today being Ikvasidah Meshicha around the literally heels of the footsteps of Mashiach where the Vedas Hashem comes literally through Mesiris Nefesh not necessarily with complete composure and complete order Chanukah Samishkan through Meshe Rabbeinu was given a Koyach to Am Yisrael for all the generations. Therefore it's not sufficient Meshe's orderly fashion working in the orderly fashion in the norm 
but rather he jumped instead of making first the house and then putting the furniture he set up everything first and the, the shulchan, the menera, etc. This way Moshe Rabbeinu gives us a kayak for all generations in the future to serve God not only according to the norm but a way that we are also bringing about the actual Gula Amitah Hashem Ma'idei Mashiach Tzadkeinu. Go know and go understand that this generation will be the one that will be chosen for that. To do a task, to fulfill a task of such a great magnitude. But the Messiah's Nefesh that we've seen, and we don't have to go back to our forefathers, we don't have to read major history books, the Messiah's Nefesh we've seen just a, a mere 70, 80 years ago in Europe, war-torn Europe, and the Messiah's Nefesh we're seeing today in war-torn Ukraine. Again, to talk about, because this shouldn't be another topic that we should be talking about, except for this, to talk about our shluchim, our brothers and sisters, those who are not yet shluchim, but just living there, you see different videos that come about now of their running and their journeying and wherever they're going you still see people putting fill in another Eden and it's, it's an amazing, amazing inspiration and this is the road that Moshe Rabbeinu paved for us by setting us being the lamplighter and telling us not everything has to be the norm whereas the norm was the first hint of a war everybody should have picked up and walked out but rather no they stayed behind there was another Shabbos where Yidin kept Shabbos another Shabbos where Yidin had Suda Shabbos where they heard Kiddush they heard Avdallah another Shabbos where they sang Zmiris where they served Hashem B'Simcha B'Tuv Levav true spirit of Chedesh Adr and this year we have a second Adr this year Baruch Hashem tomorrow as we said is a Chedesh Adr and the second Adr is a continuation not just the regular 30 days or 29 days of the Simchas Adr but a second set 60 full days of Chedesh Adr of rejoicing of being Simcha, and Simcha paid together Simcha is the element, Simcha is the strength, Simcha is the tool that destroys and breaks down any obstacles. So we said this week we finish Chumash Shemais. And we see at the end of Chumash Shemais, Just get the exact pasuk. I'm not holding a chumash in front of me. The kishna mazel. Chumash meis or something? The last pasuk. Ki anan Hashem al hamishkan yemam. The anan Hashem is on the mishkan by day. The Ishti Alaylabai 
all their journeys. And the flame would be at night, the eyes of all Yisrael in the journey. All their journeys. So in essence, talking about the Mishkan, which was, as we know, set up, stood up, in a very, very interesting way. In a very interesting way. They put together all these heavy beams and all these different things that had to go on top. And they formed walls laying down on the ground. And at that point in time, the question came up, how are we lifting this up? So they came to Mesha and they said, Mesha, you did exactly like you told us. We have all these walls ready to be put up. They're all built, but they can't stand up. Nobody can lift it. To which, according to Kaddish Baruch Hu's command, Mesha puts his hand mm-hmm. to the Mishkan, to the wall, and the walls stood up on their own. The walls stood up on their own. Amazing. Fascinating. And the Chumash Shemais begins also of a, just such a story. Meshach Rabbeinu was in denial, floating around in his little bathtub. And Basya Baspari, the daughter of Pari, comes along and she sees this Vigala, she sees this little small boat floating with a little baby in it. And she says, Oh, let me get that baby. But she was far. But yes, she reached out, and we all know that her arm elongated and she reached the child and the child brought the child home the dual message the dual lesson from both the daughter of Pari and Maisha Rabbeinu Put your hand to it and you will succeed. Many often time we find a mission that's totally out of our grasp, totally out of our league, another expression. Totally out of our league, we can't do that, there's no way we can do that. Tells us the Tera, the lesson, Chumishemais. Do Two dints and Akash Baruch Hu at You do yours, and Akash Baruch Hu will do his. You make the effort, and Akash Baruch Hu will make sure that you complete it. 
Chumash Meis is known as Sefer HaGeula, the Book of Redemption. Talking about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the beginning, and then finishing off the, the, mid, the building of the Mishkan. The revealing of, of the Shechina. But very, excuse me, oddly, it talks about when the Anan, when the cloud of glory lifts up from the Mishkan, then they knew to travel. Two things we don't understand here. What is the concept? <coughs> what does this have to do with the building of the Mishkan? It has to do with the travels, the journeys. Talk about it when it comes to Masai. Also, we hear from here, each journey brought them closer to itself. How did that happen? How did the journey take place? Because the Shekinah left. They all they saw them. Then Yusuf and Israel. How come? And of course the answer to both questions are one. The entire Tachlis that we have in the Mishkan and the entire creation is to see to it that we are journeymen. When? When the cloud raises up. What's the kunz? When you're enveloped in godliness, so you did God's word, you did God's bidding. <laughs> of course you did. You were together, you were one with God. What is the actual mission? To achieve that when God is hidden from us. And when it looks like God has taken himself away from us. We could almost think that God's not here at all. And the message says, "In to make dwelling place here in this world." And the same thing also. Tachtenim. Is there some? Is there how is tachtenim? What do you mean tachtenim here below? Where is there a place? Where is there a place that is below, above? What, what happened here all of a sudden? When it comes to God, everything is one, one, one entity. But Tachtenim, the intention is, when we are in a situation of Tachtenim, we find ourselves in a, in a spiritual, in a lack of spirituality. This is what the world was created for. That the Mokim Tachten, what is Mokim Tachten? There's no revelation of Shechina. That's where we need to start plowing and sowing and watering to make sure we make that for a dwelling place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Although the spirituality is not something that we find on its own, Jews seek to cultivate this through Teda and Mitzvahs. In that, in that in mind, we understand when the cloud of glory was here on the world and everybody saw the revelation of the Shekhinah nobody thought that we were tachtin, we were below 
We were one with God. So therefore you could not make a physicality out of creation. Only once the Anana Kavit went up and the light was not literally shining in our eyes, then we begin our journey. Then we begin to work on the physical world, on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's wants in this world. So this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bring about Tafka, the Kedusha in this world. And therefore the Pasha finishes off with the Anan going up, for this is the Tachlis of why the Mishkan Hashem was built. And for this we learn in today's day and age. We're in Golos. Everyone is in their own personal exile. Our brothers and sisters in, in, in Ukraine. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, Rahman al who are going out through the worst decree ever possible, where they are looking to accept reform, conversion. Rahman al-Islam, Rahman al-Islam. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu protect us from this. We each have our own personal battle that we fight. The darkest places of our Ruchnius. It's time now to pull her up, to, to develop ourselves and to work on ourselves. We cannot be intimidated by the darkness of the exile. The opposite. We need to understand the reason for this darkness is that we should be the little bit of light that pushes away the much the great darkness. And when the Shekhinah Dafka moves away from the Mishkan, that is our sign, that's our cue to get working and to take this dark spiritual golus to light it up and to fulfill the, shliach, the shlichus of Linsayat, the journey and the ultimate journey to the Geula Amitiz Vashlema and as Chedesh Adar, the Gula Mitz Vashem, Besimcha, Betuv, Levov, Bekarov, Mamish, 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 Amen, Kenya, Hirotzin, this Shabbos in Yerushalayim, Irak Kedesh, Good Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all.